Uh, hey, Dave, uh, you and I were chatting just a little while ago about revival, something that um, we've grown up with. It's a word that has been used a lot in our evangelical circles. We pray for it. I mm-hmm. always hear people pray, oh, God, revive your church. Mm-hmm. Never really knew what that meant. Mm. Uh, but we studied revival. We know some of the history of revival. And more recently, within the last month or so, uh, we've been hearing about revival in Asbury, Kentucky. It's a university, small university in Kentucky that has got the attention of the entire nation in mm-hmm. the States. It's been on CNN and Fox and other news outlets. <coughs> so um, we're interested in that. What is that? And is, is it something that... Um, is limited to that small school? Is is what's happening there genuine revival? Can we expect that God would do something here? Why did he do it there? Hmm. Uh, what are the preconditions? Hmm. So we just need to think about this a little bit. A, a lot of print, a lot of uh, blogs have already been published on the subject. And so Let's weigh in on that for uh, just a few minutes. What are your thoughts on what's going on in Asbury? Do you think it's real? Sure. I'd, absolutely. I don't have any question about that. I think that uh, God works in <laughs> mysterious ways and ways that we don't always fully understand or plan. Mm-hmm. And for us to sit in judgment and say that somehow this isn't uh, authentic or legitimate, I think is a mistake. Um, so, yeah, I celebrate it. I think it's wonderful. And and people's lives will be affected for good and for God and for the gospel. And, and uh, I think that's just something fantastic. So in terms of that situation, yeah, all, I'm, I'm all for it and praise God for it. <coughs> well, what I can tell is that it was a chapel service, mm-hmm. usual chapel service. A speaker spoke, and at the end of it, unplanned, um, this altar call environment came where people were coming forward. The the music kept going. People were praying. They were weeping, confessing sin, restoring relationships. Um, And it just, uh, chapel time came and went. It didn't, it didn't end. It kept going 24 seven round the clock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the the leaders were getting exhausted in this. And I, I think if you want to think about something that's authentic, and, and there are things that aren't authentic, things that are totally psychological and emotional. Um, but a lot of us who look at this really think that um, the fruit of it uh, is the kind of thing you would expect of a genuine spiritual mm-hmm. moving. Right. And that's what I would look for in this is, um, first of all, I think we need to be very open to the prompting of the Spirit and the Spirit to work in ways that we just can't imagine and when and where and how and why that's found in the mind of God in a sovereign God that loves his people and wants to bring good and bring bring his sense of of mission and value into the world but I would also watch for and I have no reason to think that this can't won't happen is that the result of the whole thing shows up in the fruit of the spirit shows up in a renewed sense of mission uh, of the gospel, renewed sense of being the church and who we need to be and and caring for the poor and making sure that evangelism is happening, reaching people with with Christ 
even moving into the domains of church planting and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, those are things to watch for. Um, and again, I don't think, I don't have any reason to think that some of those things won't come out of all of this. Um, part of the phenomenon is that it's unexpected. It's unusual. Uh, but it does happen from time to time, historically. Mm-hmm. Even there's a, there's a film out now <coughs> that coincidentally is on the tail of this Asbury thing. Uh, I forget what it's called, the Jesus Revolution or something. Yeah. And it's a story of what God was doing in the 70s. If you remember in the 70s, there were a lot of people who would say, in retrospect, that God was doing an unusual thing. I thought it was normal because I was just kind of coming into consciousness as a young person. Yeah. I thought that's the way church was. Yeah. Uh, but it came and went, and now I kind of long for those days, yeah. the 70s, when um, God just seemed to be doing a great work in all over Canada and I think in other places as well. So are we... Do we, do we ask God to do that again? Do, is it right to pray that way? Is it necessary for that to happen in order for the church to do its work? I think that, uh, yeah, I, there, there's a both and going on here, right? <coughs> I mean, I think we do what we normally do. We preach and teach. We uh, encourage ourselves and our congregations to move in the direction of Christ-likeness, sanctification. We do that on a steady, freddy kind of way by preaching the word, by calling people to repentance uh, along the way, invitations. And often it's just a very quiet, progressive movement of the Spirit in God's people's lives. But then at times, I think that we can pray for, hope for, an outburst. Mm -hmm. And God choosing to to, to move in that way. I, I don't think we can plan it. I don't think we can predict it. Um, and I, I don't even necessarily think that we can expect it. But at the same time, we need to be open to it. Do when we need it, it, though? Do we need it? Like, it, it seems in my mind that it's a reset. <coughs> it's God's way of fixing. Uh, we're, we're where we're not supposed to be. There's a, a restoration of um, godliness and a turning to God, a lot of confession going on. Yeah. And, I mean, do we need that? Is that, have we got to the point where we've not been living Christian lives, where we're not in relationship, mm. that, they, that God has to move in and say, okay, this, we need to fix this. It's gone far enough. Um, you need to love me properly again because you're not. Mm. I think I, I think that would leave that with God's call, not ours. And we do what we do. We do what we do as well as we can. We're open to what, however God might respond. But for us to kind of somehow enter the mind of God and say, "Okay, enough is enough," and uh, and or we don't it, need it, or or we don't need it. Yeah, of course you got that side of it as well, right? Um, and there's always room for challenge, for the prophetic voice to speak into mm-hmm. the life of our, your and my life mm-hmm. as, as leaders in the church, but into our congregation. So there's always a need for the prophetic voice and always a need for the call to back, back to covenant faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And that's where the prophets were, right? They were revivalists. Yeah. 
they were um, <coughs> these guys that went around saying, okay, it's time to repent, time to get mm-hmm. back. And, mm-hmm. and there, I think that voice is needed. But there's also the voice of the teacher and the mm-hmm. priest, prophet, priest, and sage, right? And um, I, there was just a steady, f- steady teaching ministry of the word of God. You got the sage voice, who is the voice mm-hmm. of wisdom and 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 the voice of proverb and that kind of thing. So I think it's all part of the package. Yeah. And is it needed? Sure. Uh, and but I. I'm confident enough in the sovereignty of God that he'll bring it. He'll bring it when he th- he or, thinks it's or even needed. if it isn't needed. Sometimes um, when you're healthy spiritually, God mm-hmm. just wants to do something special, special. a sure. blessing. Yeah, you know, from time to time in our churches, <clears throat> for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, at the end of a powerful service, just yeah. something about the music and the preaching and just the the awareness of, of the Spirit of God. This, a service will end here at Grandview, and it, it's different. There'd be some people who just don't leave the yep. auditorium, and they're praying. And yep. we're not, people are leaving, but that's going on too. It doesn't happen all the time, though. But there are times when it does happen, and I often wonder, is, is that the tip of what could come? Could that be the experience of the entire congregation where we all respond uh, usually it's quite emotional these mm-hmm. people are mm-hmm. lingering because mm-hmm. there's something that they're dealing with or mm-hmm. or maybe it's even just a doctrine that that they're loving again something mm-hmm. about the love of God or the grace of God they're seeing it in a new light and they just don't want to move they just want to just sit there and contemplate I, I love that and I don't know. Is that is that what revival might look like? Just kind of a falling in love again with the the old old story. You know, it's interesting because that, the word revival is, is you and I again. You and I were chatting ahead of time, and you and I remember the uh, revival services we used to have, right? And mm-hmm. I remember the Satara twins coming yep. through, Frank and Lou, or Ralph and Lou, or right. And at Calvary Baptist Church where I grew up, I think they were there almost every year. You and I remember, quote unquote, revival, a, a revival week yeah. that we would have at uh, in at uh, at London. Um, but those those, in my view, were different in the sense that they were planned, and it wasn't so much looking for an outbreak of the spirit. It was more again that prophetic voice. <coughs> calling us all to repentance to faithfulness back to god uh, holiness of life and it was planned in some sense orchestrated sometimes overdone because uh, sometimes the guilt was pretty intense mm-hmm. um, at times i felt myself a little bit uncomfortable in the context and sometimes i felt a little bit manipulated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time there's a lot of good came out of it as well and people like the satara twins and others were certainly highly well motivated and we called on them we brought them in deliberately right mm-hmm. to to uh, speak to that level of, but of they would they would spend the whole week though in conversations with leaders i mean i i, I didn't experience this but i thought that was part of their uh, their ministry yeah to just kind of dig into the church life. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would. And, uh, of course, they hold their, would hold services in the evening, but mm-hmm. they were busy during the day. 
And so I think some of it was even in evangelism mm -hmm. and uh, doing some evangelism along the way as well. So, but I, so I, the word revival uh, has such a broad, yeah. all the way from an Asbury spontaneous kind of thing to a planned week mm -hmm. of revival meetings mm -hmm. and again that recalls the old tent meetings yep. that <laughs> old time gospel <laughs> the old time and the tent meetings that used to come through town and and this kind of stuff and you know what it's all part of how god can work in our in our times today mm -hmm. and i to close ourselves off to any of that i think is a mistake i think we're limiting what god can do we are sometimes reluctant though to let emotions just go unchecked and Emotions are real. God gave us emotions, right? So mm. to to su suppress them intentionally, oh, yeah. you, you run the risk of um, the displeasure of God if you manipulate what He wants to do. Yeah, <coughs> but, but at we're same Baptists, time, and you know, yeah, we're just not it, comfortable with and emotions. I get I get terrified by uh, you know heavily emotional kinds of things because yeah, it's, it creates vulnerability, right? And uh, some of us are not all. In all that comfortable with that yeah like i'm a schedule guy and mm -hmm. you know first service ends at a certain time if revival happens i'd just rather it not you know <laughs> <Yes>. just <laughs> can it just wait at a more convenient time but yeah. uh, i don't know yeah. it's uh it's a good thing i don't have to think about it it's the lord's sovereign work um you're an old testament guy <coughs> uh, and i love the old testament too by the way but uh, in the few minutes that remain uh, there are examples in the Old Testament mm -hmm. that help us think about this topic. Mm -hmm. Thinking of Josiah's yeah. revival. Mm -hmm. Does that teach us anything? Well, I think it teaches us one thing, for sure. It has to be centered on Scripture. Um, mm -hmm. Because it was a discovery of, and most of us think it was the book of Deuteronomy that was found, that Manasseh had, his, his predecessor had, effectively buried mm -hmm. for decades uh, and even all the way back into Ahaz and Jotham and, and those guys, uh, Hezekiah's sons. Um, and so it was the discovery of the book of Deuteronomy in particular, but scripture mm -hmm. that then Jeremiah came alongside <coughs> Josiah and said, okay, it's time to get the act together and get moving forward. So one thing that we can learn, it needs to be rooted deeply in the word of God. That would be one thing I would take away. I think, yeah, that would um, bear out in the Great Awakening. Mm -hmm. You had the Wesleys and, and Whitfield and a great preaching uh, that that took place during those times. And I, I would think that um, that's part of the way that God blesses through the preaching of his word. Uh, well, Dave, we're, we've got uh, Michael Haken. He's going to be joining us in one of our podcasts. He's an outstanding um, historian, and he knows a lot about the Great Awakening, and he's going to help us think about this. I'm not too sure if you're going to be in on that call, but for our listeners, uh, stay tuned for what will be a very interesting uh, historical journey around the mm -hmm. subject of mm -hmm. uh, awakening and revival. So until the next time, I'm here with Dave Barker, and we are saying goodbye, and God bless you. We'll see you next podcast. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>